So we're going to be continuing a three-week series in Philemon. Last week, our brother John started us off um, preaching through the first seven verses of this small but densely packed book. Uh, And so this morning, we're going to continue that, and we have our pastoral intern, uh, Enoch, who's going to be preaching through the second portion, uh, middle portion of this book. So I'm really excited. This is Enoch's first time preaching in our church, and so excited as a body to be able to uh, interact with uh, the word of God is Enoch preaches it. So we're going to invite him up. We're going to pray for him uh, and sit under uh, the word. You can clap if you want. That's yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> Father, thank you so much for our brother. Thank you. Lord, I have been so extremely blessed uh, to know Enoch, uh, to have him as a part of our church. I've been so encouraged by his eagerness to learn and grow. His questions are so good and encouraging and life-giving, and his desire to just know you more, to love you more, to love your church. And so, God, I just pray that as as you allow him to open up your word, uh, that he would decrease, that it would not be about Enoch, uh, that it would be all about Jesus, that, Christ, you would grow so very large in our hearts, in our minds, in our eyes, that we would see you, that we would hear you, and that you might use Enoch to do that wonderful, wonderful thing. And so we just give this time to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Hello? Can you hear me? Everybody hear me? Great. Thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, everyone. All right, so uh, if you could just talk back to me a little bit, it helps. I appreciate it. Um, Thank you once more for allowing me to go into God's words today. Um, It's a real blessing to be able to talk about the creator of heaven and earth. And everyone listen. (laughs) It's great. It's it's just a blessing. So um, before we go in, I had two shout outs. Um, If you did not know, this past Wednesday was Dexley's birthday. Um, So just celebrate him in that uh, (laughs) afterwards, if you can. And today is Evan's birthday. So I'll give it up for Evan. So yeah. We will be continuing our series in Philemon. um, And before we go into today's message, we're just going to go through the whole book. We're going to read it. Um, So let's read the whole book of Philemon. Philemon, verse 1. Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus, and Timothy, our brother, to Philemon, our beloved worker, and our beloved worker, fellow worker, and Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, our fellow soldier, and the church in your house. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, 
though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Formerly, he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but, by, but, but of your own accord. For this, perhaps, is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, receive him as you would receive me. If he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it. To say nothing of your owing to me, even your own self. Yes, brother, I want some benefit for you in the Lord. Refresh my heart in Christ. Confident of your obedience, I write this to you, knowing that you would do even more than I say. At the same time, prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that through your prayers I will be graciously given to you. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends greetings to you. And so do Mark, Aristocras, Demas, and Luke, fellow workers. Um, the grace of the Lord Jesus be with you, with your spirit. So uh, Philemon is technically considered a book. So if you leave here today and you don't remember anything, just know you read a book today. So, yeah, let us pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the giving of your word. We're praying that our hearts would be open and that we shall receive what you have for us. Amen. So, last week, John preached on Philemon 1 to 7, and we learned a couple of things. First, we learned that this letter was not just written to Philemon. As verse 1 says, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, and Timothy, a brother, to Philemon, our dear, fellow and, a dear friend and fellow worker, and also to Aphia, our sister, and Archippus, and our... Uh, and a church that meets in your home. So Philemon is not just written to Philemon, it's written to everyone and in his church. Now, why is this important, right? This is important because it shows that this letter is also for our benefit, right? Paul is writing this knowing that it will be read in front of the whole church at the time. So then and now. I don't know if he knew it would be read 2,000 years later, but here we are. Secondly, we learned last week that Paul loves Philemon. He loves him dearly in verse 7. He says that, um, For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. This is a very wonderful verse because I feel like you can feel um, Paul's emotion when he says, My heart, I've derived much joy and comfort for you, my brother. We learned last week that this is how we should express our love to each other. This is how we should feel towards each other, despite our faults and blind spots. So we learned that this letter is not written to just Paul Philemon. It's written to us as well, and that we should love others as Paul is exampled in Philemon. Today, we'll be talking about how relationship with Jesus changes everything. So if you're taking notes, 
this is the title, Relationship with Jesus Changes Everything. We'll be talking specifically about how the text shows these changes, how relationship with Jesus changes how we view, define, and understand status, and how relationship with Jesus changes our whole, um, our view of relationships and our whole relationships. So we're going to read from verse 8 to 16, but for context, we're going to start from verse 4. So let's read. I thank my God always when I remember you in my prayers, because I hear of your love and of the faith that you have towards the Lord Jesus and for all the saints. And I pray that the sharing of your faith may become effective for the full knowledge of every good thing that is in us for the sake of Christ. For I have derived much joy and comfort from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. Accordingly, though I, and this person talking is Paul, I'm bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I appeal to you. Now who is he talking to? Philemon and the church. I, Paul, appeal to you, an old man and now a prisoner for Christ, I appealed for my child Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Verse 11. Formerly he was useless to you, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. I am sending him back to you, sending my very heart. I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he may serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. This is perhaps, this, for this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but way much more than a bondservant. As a beloved brother, especially to me, but how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. So right now we have three major characters. We have Paul, who is an apostle for Jesus at this time and is currently writing from prison in Rome. We have Philemon, who's a Christian, a wealthy one, and he's writing to those who, and he's the one that Paul is writing to, um, he lives at Colossae at this time. We know this um, because uh, in the introduction, all those names that were there were also in the book of Colossians. Colossians. And then we have Onesimus, who is a runaway slave and who used to work for Philemon. We know this because of verse 15, where Paul says, For perhaps this is why you were parted for a while, that you might have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant. Uh, he also most likely had been discipled by Paul. So in verse 10, he says, I appeal for you, to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. This usually means that he discipled him or he brought him to faith because uh, he uses the same type of language in other books in the Bible. So all these three characters, they've received Jesus Christ at this point. And today we're going to examine how their relationship with Jesus changes their lives. First, let's look at the text that shows how Jesus... Uh, relationship with Jesus changes the view of status for Paul. So, in verse 9, it says, Yet for love's sake, I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for Christ. So let's pause here, right? So, now being a prisoner in this time, I don't think is, was a 
pretty nice thing. Even in today, I don't think anyone wants to be a prisoner, right? So being in prison for this time, you could be held for months or years without even getting trial. So you could be like, oh, you're arrested. Why? I don't know. And then you're just in prison for a while. And then you get before a judge and you might be guilty or not. So this was not something anyone wanted, right? But Paul, he talks about this being a prisoner like he's proud of it, right? This was not new to Paul, right? Paul wrote four other letters while he was in prison, so he probably knew how most prisons had. He was uh, in the dungeons, he was in house, under house arrest, so he had a very big range of prisons. He was probably like a connoisseur for prisons. Um, he had been to a lot, right? But this was not always the case for Paul, right? Paul, he knew, he was the one before um, years before, that was throwing Christians into prisons. He was the ones that Christians feared, right? He himself was the one who imprisoned Christians for Christ. But now he was a prisoner for Christ, and he said that a lot. He said that five times in this book alone. What happened? What changed Paul from being a persecutor to a prisoner for Christ, right? He met Jesus. Paul met Jesus. The writer of the book met Jesus, and he was transformed from a persecutor to a prisoner for Christ. He was a proud prisoner. He mentioned this a lot of times. And I want to ask, is this how um, Jesus has transformed our lives? Have we come to this realization that he's worth everything? I'm not saying you have to go to prison for Jesus. But I'm saying, do you understand the worth of Christ, that he's worth even being thrown in jail? If you haven't, you really haven't met the real Jesus. The more you know Jesus, the more you understand Christ's worth, just like Paul did, the more you see your view of status change. Moving on from the prisoner to the slave, let's talk about Onesimus, the runaway slave. Now, uh, this might be a hot topic for those who do not know the context at this time. In verse 15, it says, For this perhaps is why he was parted from you for a while, that you might have him back forever, no longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me, and how much more to you. Now, slavery in these times is not the same type of slavery that happened in America years ago. The slavery mentioned here is closer to what is called an indentured servanthood. Slavery was and this times was highly debt-based. Um, it was not primarily based on ethnicity. And freedom and emancipation was very common, right? So whether one had paid off your debt or if you worked this certain amount of years that you agreed to, you could go free. But I do want to address something. Just because slavery is mentioned in passing here does not mean that God endorses the heart of slavery, right? Throughout the Bible, you will see slavery multiple times, but in Galatians 3.27, Paul makes it clear, actually, talking about the Holy Spirit, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that says, For as many of you who were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male and female. You are all one in Jesus Christ. God does not endorse the heart of slavery, right? Old or new. So Paul understood this, and we can see it in verse 11, where Paul writes, Formerly he was useless to you, he's talking about Onesimus, but now he is indeed useful to you and to me. Paul is saying that Onesimus 
was formerly useless, but now he is useful. What does this mean, right? Paul is actually making a play on words here, right? Because Onesimus' name actually meant useful. So if you're looking for a name for your child, here you go. Paul is trying to say that Onesimus, what Onesimus has done in the past, which is running away from being a faithful bondservant, paying off his debt, or agreeing, or whatever he, his condition was, made him useless to Philemon, right? And now that he has come to Christ, he has become useful. How? Why? This is because he's now a brother. He calls him a brother in, first, in verse 15. For he was useful, useless before, but now he is useful to you. Now, how is he useful? First, he's useful because he's helping the gospel of Jesus move forward. In verse 13, he says, I would have been glad to keep him with me in order that he might serve me on your behalf during my imprisonment for the gospel. So Onesimus is now a servant of Christ. He's now pushing the gospel forward. Secondly, Onesimus is now useful because he can now love Philemon as a brother. Right? What does a brother do? They encourage, they exhort, they care for, they love, they beat you up sometimes. But in the same sentence, brothers are people who love, right? So Onesimus is no longer someone who just serves Philemon. He cares for him. This is what Paul is driving home here. He's now saying Onesimus is useful. He will benefit you even more now that he is in Christ. Relationship with Jesus changes our view of status. It changes how Paul saw prison. Relationship changed how Onesimus was viewed in Paul's eyes. So we've talked about Paul. We've talked about Onesimus. What about Philemon? Um, please don't forget, Onesimus is still coming back. He's still going to be a slave. He's still going to be a bondservant. He's still going to work off his hours. But now he's coming back as a brother. Right? He's coming back to finish his service to Philemon. The whole reason he's writing this is to influence Philemon's view of status. Philemon was a wealthy Christian, like I said before. We know this because he had pretty good statue at the time. Um, the church that this was being read to was at his house, and I, that makes me guess that he has a pretty big house to have a church at his house. And we also know that he's very well loved because in verse 7 he says, I have derived much joy and comfort from you, from your love, my brother, because the hearts of the saints have been refreshed through you. So Paul loves him, and all the other saints love him. So he's in a pretty good place. He's a Christian. He's wealthy. Everybody loves him. What more do you want? All right? But Paul, he's writing this because he still wants him to grow in the way he views status. He still wants him to grow in his relationship to Onesimus. He's helping Philemon to see himself, not just as a master, but as a brother, to care for Onesimus, to love Onesimus, to encourage and to exhort Onesimus. Paul was encouraging Philemon to view himself not just as a master, but as a brother. So, how do you view your status? Is it by how much money you make? Is it by uh, your job? Is it by your fashion sense? Is it by the people that you're around? Or is it by something that doesn't change. Because all those things I mentioned, will, they will pass away. They can change. You can lose drip one day and have drip the other. You can 
you can you can have friends who are around you and they could be gone the next day. You could have the best job in the world and tomorrow you realize it's the worst job. The one thing that doesn't change that you should base your status upon is Christ. Christ. If you are defined by Christ and all that he has called, called you, that will never change. And how do you view the status of those around you? Do you view people around you by what they can do for you? Or do you view them in relation to the creator of heaven and earth? This is what we should have as our basis for defining status. Not our jobs, not anything else. In Romans 8.33, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, shall persecution or famine, shall nakedness or danger or sword, what can separate us from the love of Christ? Paul is saying this, and he's asking this rhetorically, because nothing can separate us. Nothing. Why would you want to base your status on anything else than the love of Christ? This is what Paul is encouraging Philemon to do with Onesimus. Hmm. Some good water. Okay. So, we have seen how Jesus changes our view of status. Now let's look at how Jesus changes our view of relationships or changes our relationships in general. So in verse 8, if you want to look through there, accordingly, this is Paul talking, though I am bold enough in Christ to command you to do what is required, yet for love's sake I prefer to appeal to you. I, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner also for Christ Jesus, I appeal to you for my child, Onesimus, whose father I became in my imprisonment. Paul is showing in these verses the way he cares for Philemon and the way he cares for Onesimus. This very first verse. For Philemon, he says, I prefer to appeal to you. Right? Paul, Paul did not have to do this. Paul was an apostle for Christ. Right? He penned most of the New Testament. Most of the things we're reading in the New Testament, Paul wrote it. The Holy Spirit gave him the ability and permission to do that. Right? Paul could have just been like my African mother and been like, I don't care what you are doing. Just do it. But he didn't do that. <laughs> he, he wanted his emotions to align with his obedience. He wanted him to receive Onesimus, not because he was compelling him. And this is shown in verse 14. But I prefer to do nothing without your consent, in order that your goodness might not be by compulsion, but of your own accord. Paul is not being a tyrant. And this is also how God is with us. Right? Through scripture, his instructions are clear. God says you must obey him. You, he wants you to perform obedience. But he doesn't just want the physical act of obedience. God is not just asking you to obey. He wants your emotions to tie along with that. Now, sometimes you have to obey before you feel the emotions. But in the end, God is not a tyrant. <laughs> but he is God. Paul continually shows how much he cares for Philemon by appealing to his emotion. Paul also shows how much he cares for Onesimus. So right now, we know Onesimus has wronged Philemon. And Paul knew this. So jumping ahead in verse 18, we can see that if he says, if he has wronged you at all or owes you anything, charge that to my account. Paul understood, understood the hurt that was there. He understood there was reconciliation needed. However, in verse 15, this is how Paul addresses this. 
For this is perhaps why he was parted for you from a while, that you may have him back forever. No longer as a bondservant, but more than a bondservant, as a beloved brother, especially to me. But how much more to you, both in the flesh and in the Lord. Paul is urging Philemon to see that God has and is working through the wrong that has been done. He's saying that Christ has used the wrong for his glory. He's saying that you should rejoice because this is probably why he was parted from you. This is probably why the wrong has been done to you so that you can have him back as a brother. This shows the sovereignty of God, that God is able to use the bad things that happen, the wrongs that have been done to us for his glory, right? So in summary, we have seen in Paul, in the letter that Paul wrote, how relationship with Jesus has changed their view and our view of status. And we've seen how relationship with Jesus changes our relationships. How relationship with Jesus changes how we view status and how relationship with Jesus changes our relationships. But how do we do this? We can read it. We can examine it, we can study it, we can hear about it. How do we act in this way, right? We act in this way by understanding what Paul does. He urges and urges Philemon to do. We, we do this by understanding that Christ has done this first for us. He has changed our status from sinner to child. He has changed our relationship to God from estranged to heirs. He did all that on the cross. And that's how we live this out. This book has taught us that we should view our status through Christ, not finances, not the things we own, not the people we hang around, that we should view our status through Christ and that we should love others the way Christ loves us. That Paul examples in here. We should care for those around us as Paul does for Philemon and Onesimus. Throughout this book, Paul uses a very intimate, particular language to describe his relationship with Onesimus. In verse 10, he calls him his child. In verse 12, he says, I am sending you my very heart. Right? He says, I am sending you my very heart. Now, the English language is not as broad as the Hebrew or Greek, but the actual interpretation of this word heart is basically translated, is closer translated to the internal organ of heart, like the, the very internal organ. So Paul is saying, I am sending you my internal organs. Just a little weird. But he's trying to drive home a point here, right? He's associating himself with Onesimus, right? This is really beautiful because you can see his love in the letter, right? We read this. And the more we study it, we come to see that this is exactly what Jesus has done for us. Paul associating himself with Onesimus is what Jesus did for us. In Acts 9, verse 4, when Paul, the same exact Paul, then Saul, was persecuting the church, throwing them in prison, he met with Jesus on the Damascus road. Now what did Jesus say? Acts 9, verse 4. He says, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? 
Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. At this time, Paul is persecuting the church. Jesus done died, done resurrected, and he's in heaven, right? But he says, you are persecuting me, or why are you persecuting me? This is because Jesus aligned himself with the church so much that when we are persecuted, he is persecuted, right? This is such a beautiful thing because he did the same exact thing on the cross, right? In 2 Corinthians 5.17, he said he had been made, for he had been made sin for us who, had, who knew no sin, that we may become the righteousness of God in him. God sent Jesus and he aligned himself with your sin. And then he took that punishment on the cross so that why we may have his righteousness. He aligned himself with us so that we may get the good benefit from it. And this is what Paul is doing with Onesimus. He's aligning himself, aligning himself with Onesimus so that Philemon would accept you, him. But God accepts you fully because Jesus has aligned himself with you. If the creator of all heaven and earth, the one who made our bodies, the one who made the stars, the one who made the sky, the clouds, the one who made time and space itself, aligns himself with you, what more do you need? Why would you define your status by things in this world? And why wouldn't you love others the way he has loved you? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it's living and it is active, Lord. We're asking that even right now that we may understand more the weight of what you've done for us on the cross, that we may understand that you've aligned yourself with us, that we may be free in you. Lord, move in our lives that we may live this out, that we may not judge others based on what they have or what they've done, that we may relate with others with the love that you've related with us. Thank you, and may your name be glorified. Amen.